ministry this weekend. So I'm going to turn it over to Patrick for whatever they, he feels. Give him a warm welcome as he comes and shares, introduces the team. And Yeah, God bless you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, church. One second. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spit on it. Yeah, I am Patrick. Um, I am in from Reading. It's been a great time so far. We got in yesterday afternoon as Dan was sharing. And um, God's been on the move. I love this church. I love the people, the hunger here, uh, the depth of the richness of the goodness of God is alive and well um, inside of you. And so I don't know, have, has anyone here familiar with Steve Backlund? Thank you. Yeah, Steve Backlund, his ministry, Igniting Hope. Thank you so much. Um, so I was here a couple months back with him visiting. And uh, it went so well, we're back again. So <laughs> thanks, Dan. Um, but yeah, we do have a slide for Igniting Hope, if we can put it up here. Um, Steve, if you don't know who he is, he's a great encourager. He's a great teacher of the word, um, a bringer of hope. And he's all about the renewed mind. If you're interested in any details on that, we do have a QR code uh, that will take you to the website. He does have an upcoming course, a transformational mind renewal course. And it's five months long. Has anyone here taken that course before? Just me? All right, well, it's really good. Uh, <laughs> it has practical exercises. Mary's taken it. The books, yes. Uh, we also have a bookstore in the back um, with some select material. I know Dan already has some uh, material here as well um, from Steve. But I'll just, I'm not Steve, but I put a couple quotes in my phone from Steve just so you get a glimpse of his ministry if you're not familiar with it. Um, so one quote, this is a quote that changed his life. It says, any area of life that does not glisten with hope is under the influence of a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in my life. So any area that does not glisten with hope. And Steve, he got scared when he read that because he was a, a senior pastor of a church. He was leading a ministry, leading a family, and he didn't have much hope, let alone glistening hope. And so that sent him on a journey uh, with the Lord to find out what could take place when you get that in your heart, when you get that in your mind. And it's changed his life. It's changing my life. I've been under him for the last year, um, and now I'm on staff there. And so I'm so excited to continue to learn um, and grow from that. Another thing uh, that God said once to Steve is, Steve, I give you permission to be hopeless about anything I am hopeless about. <laughs> and that applies to all of us, guys. <laughs> God's not hopeless. He's not hopeless. There's true hope. Um, our hope level is the indicator of whether we are believing lies or truth. My hopelessness about something is almost always a bigger problem than the something. And then the last one, there's no hopeless circumstances, only people without hope. And once you get true hope, the circumstances have to change. And so that's just a little glimpse of his ministry. Uh, once again, the QR code is there. And um, yeah, I have a team. Mary Street is here. She was on the Backland team last year with me. Um, I have John. He is going to be an incoming third year with Steve's team. And my friend Caleb, he just graduated as well. And uh, he was with the Healing Rooms at Bethel under Chuck Perry. And so we're going to get to hear from them a little bit later. Um, but I do have a message that I prepared. So we're going to get into that. And I just want to open up with prayer. Yeah, God, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your love, God. Thank you for your goodness, for your truth, uh, for your word, for your spirit. God, you fully equipped us uh, to walk this life out as saints, as conquerors, as children of you. 
so I just thank you for every heart that hears this message, Lord, um, that it would be your words that pierce it. It would be your words that transform um, and call us higher into who we are and what we're called to do. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what's possible with God and then also our need for community. And I'm going to share a couple testimonies from my life, and I'm also going to share some testimonies from the Bible and some verses from the Bible. So the first question, what is possible with God? Uh, Jeremiah 32:27. it says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for him? Romans 8:37 says, We are more than conquerors in all things. So is anything impossible? No, it says more than conquerors in all things. Matthew 19.26 says, With God, all things are possible. Not some things or the things that you think you can control or your strong suits. You might be able to do good with those. But it says all things are possible. And so there's a place in this partnership with God uh, where nothing is impossible for us. And I believe I'm talking to a group of people where nothing is impossible for you. And so throughout this sermon, if you're reminded of situations in your life that seem like a mountain, that seem like a Goliath, um, do not fear because God is with you. You are not alone, and that breakthrough is coming. So how great is it that we get to partner with God? That it was his idea to form us, to know us, to create us, to put us on this earth at this time, um, not so we can struggle or try to get by, but so that we can be more than conquerors. Matthew 17, 20, this is Jesus. He says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible. So we see God's standard here. All things, nothing's impossible. He's got it under control. And so that's God. Now I want to look at what types of people does God choose and the uh, people we're going to look at is Saul, before he was Paul. We're going to look at Moses, uh, Gideon, uh, myself, <laughs> and all of you. <laughs> this is the people God chooses. Look around the room. He made some good choices. He made some good choices. And there's more people out there that don't yet know, but they will. Yeah, they will. So for Saul, I want to look at the fact that I mean, his life was pretty messed up before God came, you know? We can probably all relate to that to some extent. Um, but you don't have to be perfect for God to choose you, for God to work with you and in you. And so what does it say about Saul in Acts chapter 8, verse 3? It says that Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women, and committing them to prison. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, persecuting the church unto death. That's what Saul was doing <laughs> before he had an encounter with God. Like, if there's one person that you think might be out of reach, I would say that might be a good candidate. <laughs> Persecuting the church unto death, dragging off the Christians, destroying the work of God. But, you know, God had a plan. God had a plan. He has a radical conversion. He becomes one of the most influential leaders in the early Christian church. His writings are still read today. Uh, he was a great missionary, an apostle, a teacher, a healer, a leader, a writer, and the list goes on and on. He wasn't out of God's reach. Um, there's a time in my life where it seemed like I was out of God's reach. 
Um, I was I was full of fear, anxiety, uh, depression, anger. Like I remember, I think I had a Saturday school every Saturday in high school because I just was depressed and did not want to be there, did not want to go. I would skip school all the time. Um, I missed 42 days of school in eighth grade. Like I was not the prime student. Um, and I did not want to go out into the world. I was scared to talk to people, scared to go on the phone, um, scared to do anything. And God changed all that. Um, he changed all that in 2010. Um, everything changed in one week for my life. And I was 20 years old. Um, I was brought up in a Christian home. I remember speaking in tongues when I was four years old. Um, so I knew the Lord. Well, I, yeah, I knew him somewhat. I want to pray. I want to open the Bible. I knew he was real. That's about all I knew. I believed in him, but I was not walking with him, and I had no relationship whatsoever. Um, thankfully, my parents are uh, praying parents, and I know they were fighting for me. Uh, but there's a time back in 2010 when I was about to be a college and school, and uh, my sister, she was about to be a senior in high school. And see, I was going to be sophomore in college. She was going to be a junior, a senior, I'm sorry, in high school. And we had a really rough relationship. Like, I was always angry, fighting, jealous. Things were not going well. Um, and so I was away at college doing my own thing, getting into trouble. But I was far enough away from home that my parents didn't really know what was going on. And my sister, she was living under my parents' roof and also having a rough time and getting into some things. Um, and so it got to a point where the guy that she was seeing, he ended up overdosing. Um, and he passed away at a party. And it was a wake-up call to my parents as to the situation that she was in and to what was going on. And they knew they needed to help, but they weren't sure what they could do. Um, and so we were living in Illinois at this time. And my parents ended up hearing about a ministry. It was a husband and wife. They own a home in upstate New York. And it's kind of like a halfway home. Um, and they'll take people in, feed them the word, love on them, give them truth, give them a safe space to grow and to get clean, um, and then send them on their way. And so my parents ended up hearing about this house and decided that they were going to send my sister there, and she was going to do her senior year of high school. And my sister agreed to it. They agreed to take her in. And as this is happening, like, I'm doing my own thing, messing up, but hidden from them. And uh, I hear that she's going to be moving to New York, and I decided that I wanted to go and see her off and just try and end things on a good note with her before she's halfway across the country. And so this was about two weeks before school's going to start for me. And these people that own the house, they have a week-long camp. And so I'm going to go to the camp, have a good time, hopefully make things right, and then we'll go our separate ways. And, you know, I didn't think much of the camp. I'd been to Christian camps in the past. I'd been around believers. And, like, I would go to play basketball and eat cookies. Like, that was all I cared about. <laughs> you can relate. <laughs> um, that, was, that was it. And so I was not expecting anything from God. But, you know, he had a totally different plan, a totally different plan. Um, so leading up to the trip, I'm getting my finances together for school, and I'm realizing that I'm $400 short for some books that I needed. And right after the camp, school starts, so there's no time to work or anything. And so I was in a totally different place. I realized I could not go, and I was so angry, like so angry. I was at my parents' house in the summertime. And I remember I had my bag packed for the camp, and I'm just taking my clothes out and throwing them on the wall. Like, I was not who I am today. But I was just very angry, very upset. And my mom comes in and says, what's going on, Patrick? Uh, and I told her, hey, I can't go to New York. I need to go back to work and try and get this money. 
And she says, well, why don't you just pray about it? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, Mom, sure, I'll pray. I like, roll my eyes. Like, I don't remember if I prayed or not, to be honest with you. I had no faith that anything would happen. Um, but then the next day, uh, my aunt and uncle called me up, and they're, they're not Christians yet, and they're also, they don't get along with my mom. And so I know she didn't say anything, um, but they called me up and said, hey, we just moved into a new house. Will you help us unpack and get settled in, and we'll give you a mini fridge for school as payment? And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing else to do. I could use a mini fridge at school. And so I went over to their house, and we went out for lunch. We bought a TV stand. I mowed their lawn for 15 minutes and moved, like, two boxes from one side of the house to the other. Like, very little work. <laughs> and <laughs> they gave me the mini fridge, and then they gave me $200. And I was like, huh, that's half of what I needed. Maybe God's going to do something. And I'm sharing this testimony because if you have a family member or a child or someone that you're contending for, like, it can all change in a week. And so this is the beginning of that shift for me. And so I decided, all right, I'm going to go. And so I wrote a check for the school for the $400 and gave it to my mom. I'm like, send it on Tuesday. Hopefully it's there Monday and the money is in the bank, but I'm going to go. And so we go to the camp, my sister, my dad, and I. He drops us off. Um, we're there, and as soon as we get into the, the house, I'm just greeted with other believers, and there's something different. My heart was ready to receive the love of God in a way that I had not experienced before. And they weren't doing anything extravagant. Like, they were just being themselves. Uh, but my heart was getting pierced by this love that I could not deny or ignore. And so while we're there, uh, the camp takes place. And my mom calls me up, and she says, Hey, your best friend uh, growing up, his mom, called and said that God put it on her heart to give you $50. I'm like, All right, it's all coming in. Like, things are coming together. This is good. <laughs> and the camp continues. And... You know, I remember walking outside one time, and I was about to stub my foot. I was barefoot in the yard, and they had, like, a volleyball mat. And there's a post. I'm just walking and hanging out, and I heard an audible voice of God say, hey, watch, watch out, you're going to stub your foot. And that was the first time I ever heard God's voice. Like, something about stubbing my foot transformed my life. Like, I started, <laughs> I started to cry. I broke down. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he cares. He knows me. He knows how to speak to me. And after that, I started to pray on my own for the first time. I opened the Bible on my own for the first time. And this is all taking place throughout the week, and my life is just getting transformed because I almost hit my toe on a volleyball thing. <laughs> and uh, so my mom calls back, and she says, hey, someone in the church, uh, they got a new car. And these are people in the church that I know their names, but I maybe said hi to them, no conversation beyond that. Um, and they said, yeah, they weren't sure if they were supposed to sell the car or give it to someone, and God told them three times to give it to you. And so now you have a new car. And so, I know, wow, I was shocked too. <laughs> and then she calls again a couple of days later and says the check for $50 came in for 200 And so everything was covered. Uh, my, re my relationship with my sister is getting restored. My relationship with God is being founded. And um, the camp ends, my sister stays, and my dad comes to pick me up. And uh, we're driving away, telling him about my dad, about what happened. And we're like two miles into the drive. I remember crossing under this bridge. And I just heard in my heart, you need to move to New York and see what I have for you. And so I told my dad, called my mom, uh, dropped out of school, and I packed up the new car that I got, and I moved there two weeks later. And um, it was a journey. So that was 2010, and uh, it was a life-transforming time. Um, it wasn't always perfect, though. <laughs> 
it wasn't always perfect. Like just because I had these radical encounters, it was seeing the hand of God. Um, there were times when I would slip up or not walk perfectly. Like you know, we're always growing. We're always uh, going towards the high calling that God's given us. Um, but in the midst of all this, so this is a testimony that it kind of makes me nervous to share because it doesn't make me look very good. But it's okay because God's faithful and He worked. And it's not where I'm at anymore, thankfully. But the first healing I ever saw, um, so I've been at this house for probably a year or so at this point, and I was getting fed in the word and getting encouraged that we can actually heal the sick, we can raise the dead, we can cleanse the lepers, we can set the captives free. And so that's all going on. But then I started to slip up into drinking. And I was out at a bar one day, and I started talking to this guy. And I had a couple of drinks too many. Um, but I started talking to him about Jesus and started talking to him about God. And he ends up mentioning that he was a Catholic and he fell away from the church, but his mom's still a follower. We just had a nice conversation. And all of a sudden I had a thought, I wonder if he has any pain in his body. And he did. He said he had shoulder pain. He couldn't lift at a certain height um, from an exercise injury. And it had been a couple of years long. And I was just going after it. So I'm like, dude, can I just pray for your shoulder? Like, I believe God wants to heal you. And, you know, in that bar, in the alley, smoking cigarettes, this guy got his shoulder healed. And, <laughs> and that was the first healing I ever saw. And that really, like, sparked something in me and just, it sparked something in him, too. He started coming to our home fellowship every day for years after that. Um, and so you don't have to be perfect to start. Like, where you're at, God is with you. <laughs> and he'll meet us where we are. There's, there's always more to go. We're always going to be continuing to grow and mature in Christ. Um, but don't let something that may be affecting you that you're trying to, get free of, it doesn't have to hinder you moving the gospel. Like, God is still with you. He's still all-powerful. He's still almighty. And he's still going to pull you out of that thing that you're in. Like, he, he pulled me out of it, thankfully. Um, so, yeah, I also want to talk about Moses. And uh, with Moses, I love the theme of God being with him. Like, that's my favorite thing about God is God is with us. God is with us. You know, Emmanuel God with us. He was prophesied by Isaiah. He was spoken of by the angels. And now it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. God in Christ in you, Colossians 1.27 says. So with Moses, he grew up in a tough time. Um, all the Israelite, the Hebrew children were supposed to be murdered and his life was spared. Um, but And he ends up growing up in Pharaoh's house, the man who's oppressing God's children. And as he's growing up, he sees an injustice, and he ends up killing an Egyptian, and then he runs away. He becomes a shepherd, and he's got some fears, some doubts in his ability, and a big issue he had was he said he's not a good speaker. But you know, God's bigger than our inability. God's bigger than our fears. God encounters him in Exodus 3.11, and he's called by God, and Moses, his response is, who am I that I should go? Who am I? So Moses is looking at himself and his own abilities and saying, are you sure you got the right one, God? Like, who am I? But God says, I will be with you. That's God's response. I will be with you. And that's God's response to all of us here. If you're wondering inside, you want to do these big things, you want to do these little things, you want to do anything for God, and you're reserved, you're holding back, like, that's okay. But be real with God, and you'll find out that he's here with you. And you don't have to go it alone. You don't have to do it alone. So there will be times in this life with God uh, where he's going to call you to go somewhere to do something on your own uh, that you don't feel qualified for. And that's all right. It's a walk of faith. Um, 
I got to experience this. Dan mentioned Africa earlier. I've been there twice. I'm going to be going two times again in the upcoming year, um, which I'm so excited for. I have a real heart and a passion for Africa and the people there, uh, just to know God and to know who he is for them and through them. And so I ended up getting invited to Africa back in 2017. And I was very excited because it was a spot I always wanted to go. But leading up to the trip, I was living in New York with some other ministers, and we were sharing the gospel and seeing the power of God move. And as I'm getting closer to it's time to go, I'm like, God, why are you sending me? Like, why aren't you sending my friend AJ? He's like a really good pastor. He's a really good counselor. He's got great wisdom. Why, why aren't you sending Brendan? He's an amazing evangelist. He's seen your power move. He flows in words of knowledge. Like, God, why am I the one that's going? And I was really questioning it, and I had that conversation a couple times. Um, but he always reassured me that, no, you're the one to go. I'm calling you. This is your time. And so I got on the airplane, and I went. And we were there for about a month. Um, and so we get off the plane. We do our first uh, day of conference, day of conference, and we're teaching on uh, speaking in tongues and just equipping the church and the gifts of the Spirit and showing them that they can do it. And uh, I'm not coming off the plane thinking I'm like Superman or like the man of God that's been called to this hour at this time to change Africa. I was not feeling that whatsoever. I was like, I'm here for the ride. Let's see what happens. Um, and so the first day was on speaking in tongues. And at the end of the service, we asked anybody who wasn't confident to come up and see one of us on our team. And we would just lay hands and pray over you because we believe you can have it right now. And so... There was a line of our team up front, and I was in the back of the sanctuary making my way forward. And the Africans, there were some in line to receive laying out of hands and start speaking in tongues. And so I'm making my way to the front, and I just tap this lady on the shoulder who's next in line and tell her to come over here. Um, and just spoke some words into her, and I'm like, all right, so we're going to do this thing. I'm going to speak in tongues, and then you just move your mouth. You begin to flow. It's, it's going to be great. And so I start speaking in tongues, and... She's across from me, and her lips are just quivering, uh, and her eyes are watering, and nothing's coming out. We're probably trying for 10, 15 seconds or so. I'm like, all right, time out. Prayed again. I'm like, all right, we're going to go after it again. And so same thing happened. Her lips are really quivering. Her eyes are really watering. Um, and then she starts to speak in tongues. And, you know, after she spoke in tongues, she was so overjoyed, she threw her hands up in the air, and she ran out of the church. And then <laughs> the, the translator, he turned to me, and he says, that lady was mute. <laughs> and she was 40-something years old. The first time God opened her mouth was right there to proclaim his goodness <laughs> in tongues. And I had no idea that she was mute. Um, I probably would have prayed a lot differently if I knew, and who knows what would have happened. <laughs> but that was the first day, and that really set our trip up for amazing things. We saw tumors dissolve, bones like shift in knees, um, all sorts of amazing testimonies. And it was just being obedient to God. They, it was just saying yes to the call and just showing up and seeing him move through us. And like we all have that God. That's the God that we all serve. That's the God that we all get to walk with. Uh, the God of the miraculous, the God of the impossible. So yeah, Moses says, who am I? And God says, I will be with you. I've said, who am I? God says, I am with you. If you say, who am I? God says he is with you. Another uh, section I want to look at is Gideon. Um, and this is about putting your confidence in God. And if you don't know the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and chapter 7, it's amazing. Like, 
yeah, I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't read it, but you should check it out. Um, so, but the Israelites, God's people are in hiding. They're in turmoil. They're being oppressed. And an angel of the Lord comes to this man, Gideon, who's hiding in a wine press, getting the crops uh, together. And the angel says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. That's the greeting that he gets. And Gideon's response is, my clan is the weakest and I am the least. So God says, you are a mighty man of valor. Gideon says, I'm not that. My clan is the weakest, I am the least. And you know, God ends up giving him a battle plan um, to set the people free. And Gideon wasn't all gung-ho and just going for it. He questioned it. He asked God for confirmations time and time again. Um, and God showed up and worked with him right where he was at to, end, to be able to deliver these people. I love Gideon. He began doing stuff still afraid. Like one of the first things he was told to do was destroy these altars. And he destroyed them, but he waited until it was dark out so no one would see who was doing it. <laughs> but he still did it. He, he did it afraid. And God worked through him. And at the end, he wasn't afraid anymore. He was confident with his 300 men having their lights, playing their music. Interesting battle strategy, but God told him to do it. And, you know, they ended up, 300 people ended up destroying 135,000 Midianites. 300 people. That's 450 to 1. That's some wild odds. <laughs> but with God, it's perfect. With God, that's perfect odds. Um, so this also reminds me of another time in New York um, where we were outnumbered, uh, but God showed up. Um, so I was at that house that I told you about initially for about five years, and I ended up moving back to Illinois for a brief season, and then I went back to a different part of New York. And um, I partnered with a guy that I had recently met, and he had a vision to transform this city. That God had just given him a heart for it. Um, the city's name is Schenectady. It's, it was in the hood, and uh, GE Electric used to have a plant there, but they went out of business, and so the whole economy just fell. And it was called the City of Lights, um, and so God wanted, he wanted to restore that. And he gave my friend this vision and these plans to make it happen. And so we would go out on the streets and pass out food, offer prayer, um, do community gatherings, and just see the hand of God move. But the one group of people that we couldn't really um, connect with up to that point was one of the gangs there. And uh, the Bloods, they were the main leaders of that area. Like there were certain streets where the cops wouldn't go because there was just undercover FBI investigations that were trying to take place. And we're able to pray for the women. We're able to pray for the children, but the big, tough gang leaders, they don't want it. And so we're praying, God, help us connect to these people that are on the streets, that are selling dope, that are doing all this stuff. And so one day we decided to go out and um, set up a barbecue. So it was me and my friend Brendan. We had a bunch of hot dogs and burgers and a grill. And so we're driving around the city, speaking in tongues, looking for the right place to go. And uh, God highlights this abandoned lot. And it's across the street from like 20 or 30 of these gang members just selling stuff and doing things. And it's like, that's the spot. All right, we're going to go for it. And so we set up, and we get to offer prayer to people that are coming up and wondering, why are you here? Um, and so lots of kids got blessed. Lots of uh, moms got blessed. But a lot of the gang leaders were still staying back. Some would come up and ask questions. Uh, but there was no open door to minister. Um, until at one point this van pulls up and this older guy gets out and he's talking to somebody and I ended up just getting a word of knowledge uh, for back pain 
And so I just asked him, hey, man, do you got any pain in your back? And he says, yes. I asked if I can pray. Um, he says, yes. And just right there next to the barbecue, his back gets healed. And he is the leader of the gang's dad. And so he ends up introducing us to his son and to then the son to the three other leaders of the gang. And uh, by the end of that day, they said, these streets aren't ours. They are yours. We need what you guys bring. You have a peace about you. You have a righteousness about you that we have not seen. We know the works of the devil. We do not know the works of God. You're welcome here anytime. Yeah, glory, glory to God. Glory to God. And so that started something in that area. Um, where we were now free reign to go up to anybody to bless them, to pray for them, to see radical healings. Um, and that was at the start of summer. And by the end of that summer, the gang leader came up to us. We did not inspire him to do this, but he came up to us and said, I've been taking from these streets for so long, I want to give back. I want to do a back-to-school drive for all the kids. I want to rent a bouncy house. I want you guys to pray over the people. I want to buy 400 backpacks, all this stuff. And so we got to do a big get-together, played worship music, prayed for people, ate, bounced on the house. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. And God really transformed that area. Um, that abandoned lot is now, they put a $3 million library into it. Um, the government gave out all these grants that they don't give to anybody. They gave the landowners 3 or $4 per dollar that they spent to rehab the houses there. It was like an experimental thing that they wanted to try in this area. And the gangs are gone, like the prostitutes are gone, like God has totally redeemed this, that place. Um, and so, God's good. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you start small, and God makes it something big. God makes it something big. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is the need for each other. Um, we have God, and then we also have our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Um, so I first came to BSSM in 2019, and I was very excited, very expectant, except for one thing. I was, I was terrified of the ropes course. They have a high ropes course where you go out and you do some obstacles, and I had a serious fear of heights. Um, so I'm very excited for school, but really dreading this day that's coming up. And, um, you know... They, they send you on the course, they have a lower one, they have a higher one, and of course my team gets to go on the higher one. And, man, so I discovered I had a fear of heights when I was working for a contractor, and I was climbing a ladder, I'm like two rungs up, and I'm like, man, this ladder's shaking like crazy. And he's like, that's not the ladder, that's you. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. And so I got down and haven't really gone on one since. Uh, but the ropes course comes, and man, you got to climb these things and go across these obstacles. And I was terrified. Like, but, you know, I got through it. And I got through it because of the people that were with me. I got through it because of my classmates that were encouraging me, that were cheering me on, that were taking it one step at a time, that could see ahead, that knew how to get through the course with success. And honestly, I could not have done it without them. And that was a, a shift in my life to realize, honestly, the importance and the need for community and to run this with other people. Because I might have a grace that excels in one area, and you might have a grace that excels in another area, but there's one way that we're going to go, and we're going to do it together. And, you know, good things happen when we partner up. Um, for the guy at the bar that I was sharing about earlier, I had friends there the night before that were evangelizing, and this guy was hostile and argumentative 
and did not want to hear it. And the next day, his shoulder got healed. I could not have done it without them being there the day before. Um, in Africa, people sewed into my trip to get me there. People taught me the truth that healing was available for today. Someone preached a message that day, and then the lady was healed. I just got to be a part of what God was doing in the bigger, the bigger body. Um, and in Schenectady, which I just shared, I was partnering with other people that had a like vision. There's no way I could have done that on my own. No way. Um, so I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about being the body. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 12. This is how God set it up. This isn't man's idea. This is God's idea for us to be the body of Christ. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot, foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong in the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Man, a body without a foot, like, it would take time to get places. Like, we need the foot. If you feel like you're the foot, that's good. Like, we need the foot. <laughs> uh, verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So this is the body of Christ. Like We all have certain strong suits. We all probably have some weaknesses. But together, combined into one, beautiful things happen. Uh, Joshua 23, verse 8 through 10, says, You shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised. So it says one man can put to flight one thousand. Deuteronomy 32.30 goes on to say one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. One can chase 1,000, but two can chase 10,000. Ecclesiastes 4, uh, chapter, no, chapter 4, verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. So yeah, we, we need each other. We need each other. And we're here for each other. Um, God has positioned us on the earth at this time, not to be a one-man show, but, but to be a team with him. And um, yeah, I want to read one more verse, and then we're going to do something. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 through 20. Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, 
If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So I want us to gather right now in groups of two or three. And I'm going to give you a second to do that, and then I'm going to give you further instructions. So if you don't have a partner, if you're looking for a second or third, can you just raise your hand? Does anyone not have a partner? Can you put your hand up if you don't have a partner? All right, it looks like everyone has partners. Okay, so now I'm going to give some instructions. All right, so Jesus says where two or three are gathered, there I am among them. And so what I want us to do I'm going to give you guys five minutes to chat and share something that you're going after, a desire on your heart that has not yet been met, a Goliath that you're facing, any need that you have, and I want you to pray for that person the way that you would want them to pray for you. I want us to pray some strong, powerful, bold prayers for your brother and sister that you're standing with. And so everyone just take a minute, take 30 seconds at most to share what the problem is, and then everyone just go after it, okay? All right, so just share briefly what the issue is and then spend more time in prayer, okay? give you two more minutes, two more minutes.
All right, one more minute. One more minute. All right, you can wrap it up and then start making your way back to your seats. All right, you can head back to your seats. We're going to begin again. So I want to ask, to those of you that got prayer, hopefully everyone, um, how was it? If it was good, can you just wave your hand? If you feel blessed, if you feel encouraged, if you feel strengthened, so pretty much everybody. I'm wondering, were there any healings? Did anybody have a healing that they came for? If there's any healings, can you wave your hand? I know we didn't go after healing specifically, but I love to celebrate that. No healings. You got a healing? Can you, can you, would you be okay sharing what happened? Yeah, what's what's your name? What's your name? Uh, my name is Spencer. Spencer. So, Spencer, what, what happened? Uh, recently, I've been having bad back pain, and I I wanted it to go away. And it's gone. I have been healed. I have been healed. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to have you pray in a second, okay? All right, is there anybody else here with back pain? Can you raise your hand? There's a couple. Okay, so I think Caleb shared yesterday that uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what God did for one, he will do for many. And so will you just release and pray over these people that have some back pain still? Lord... Please allow the back pain of the people who are injured to go away so they can live a painless life full of happiness. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, brother. Spencer. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, give it up for Spencer. Wow, praise God. Yeah, God is on the move. We have so physical healing, I'm sure any emotional, other issues that you prayed with, like we, we're not just going through a routine. It says Jesus is with us in that. And so results are happening as soon as we speak it out. And so what I'd like to do now is call up my ministry team, Caleb, Mary, and John. And I asked them, yeah, give it up for them. You can come up here. I asked them to uh, prepare a word for the church uh, based off the letters of new songs. So they're all going to take turns um, sharing what God has given unto them. Uh, But before I do that, I just want you guys to introduce yourselves, tell us your names, and then tell us two or three things that you've overcome in life and one thing that you're overcoming, okay? Great, yeah. Um, My name's Caleb, and I uh, am... 
sorry, I, sorry, I was distracted by thought. He said names, and so I was like, well, I could just share all three names, Caleb, Aaron, Heatherly. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, so my name's Caleb, and I, things that I've overcome, I've overcome uh, depression, I've overcome, um, just a minute, I wrote them down, I knew that I'd forget. Yeah, I've overcome, I've overcome depression, I've overcome uh, fear of man, and I've overcome uh, self-doubt. And so, and something I'm overcoming right now is, um, is a fear of, a fear of missing it. Um, yeah, just a fear of missing opportunity, missing uh, my calling, missing my destiny. I'm learning that it's all found in him. And so, uh, yeah, that's what I'm in the process of, so. My name's John, and let's see, three things that I'm overcoming, uh, uh, false identity is something I've overcome. Uh, knowing who I am, I guess that's all in identity as well. And something that I'm working on is control and giving God complete control. My name is Mary, and um, things that I have overcome definitely false identity, um, a religious spirit, a poverty spirit, and an orphan spirit. Um, one of the things that I'm currently fully <laughs> going after is being fully convinced. I, I, I know, you know, a lot of times we know in our head God's good, but getting it into our heart 100%. And so God's been speaking to me about not being double-minded, and that's really is in the foundation of his goodness, knowing him in that place. All right, so yeah, now we're going to do the words, and who has the first in? Down at Mary. Okay, so just pass it along, okay? Yes, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, New Song Church. I've got in, so we're going to start. Um, the words that I got uh, was nameless, noble, and notable. You are a nameless... Um, church in the sense of that you're uh, not 100% known all over in the natural realm, yet in the realm of the spirit, you guys are noble and known as the fiery ones, the fiery ones, the sons and daughters of the most high king. You are the sons and daughters that create the incense that the father loves to smell. And um, God sees you as a notable people, and you have the king's attention. You have his ear, and you have his heart. And so the next is E. And mine is Encounters. And I have Psalms 34, 8. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. Yeah, the, the next one, W. I got wonder, wonders, wonders, wonders. Like, you guys wonder really well. Like, that's, um, and I, the verse I got is, 
is truly I say to you, unless you, cha- unless you change and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And you guys do so well with like the open eyes and wonder of like the Father and who he is. Um, I wrote, I see, I see you guys having di- uh, divine creative solutions to uh, difficult problems and people coming to you for answers as they recognize heaven's influence over your lives. Okay, um, I got S, and I got sunshine and sagacious. (laughs) New Song Church, you are his sunshine. The Father delights in you as his beautiful bride, and because you as a church are sagacious, meaning you have great mental discernment and good judgment, the Lord says you are entering into a season where you will be trusted with more. Okay, I have an O, um, and O, I got overseer, and I got 1 Timothy 3, 1. It is a trustworthy statement if any man apprises to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Yeah, then uh, in, I got, I got... Th- uh, no man's land. <laughs> um, no man's land is great because it's undiscovered and un, un, like, un, like unexplored. And I felt like that was something that characterizes you guys. Is you guys unexplored or you guys, <laughs> you guys explore the uh, the no man's land. I see you wandering into no man's land, having been having been undiscovered and unclaimed, and there being such a confidence being settled in you about meeting God in new aspects of who He is. He is he uh, who he is along the way, that um, and that no problem or enemy will shake you as you, as you're over as you overcome with his heart's intentions. Um, and the verse I got for that is every uh, Joshua one three. Every pl- place you, which the sole of your foot steps, I have given you, just as I spoke to Moses. Yeah. So there's just a confidence that comes with that as well. Okay, G is your last letter. Gutsy and glory. (laughs) New Song Church, you are a gutsy people. You have determination, great courage, and spirit. And even though at times you have felt like throwing in the towel, you haven't. You have stayed the course, giving heaven your yes. And as a result of that, your latter years will be greater than your former as the glory of the Lord fills your house. All right, yeah, give it up for Caleb, Mary, John. You guys can go back to your seats. Thank you. But yeah, this is a mighty group, a mighty church, um, and God is doing a a great work through you, a great work. Yeah, so I want to finish with a couple declarations. Uh, If you know Steve, you know he loves declarations, and there's a great value, great power um, that comes when we speak it out. And so the first one I want us to say is, I am a victorious one. I am a victorious one. Nothing will be impossible for me. Nothing will be impossible for me. This church is meant to shift Medford. This church is meant to shift Medford. My life transforms the lives of my family members. My life transforms the lives of my family members. Jesus has called me. 
Jesus has equipped me. Jesus has loved me. And Jesus has sent me. Anything can happen this week. I'm expecting great miracles. Yeah. Yeah. We get to expect great miracles, guys. Because we have a great God. All right, so I'm going to call up Dan again. Do you want to explain the tunnel, the impartation tunnel? Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you for that word. What a blessing. Well, you guys having a good time? Yeah, me too. You guys having a good time back there in the projection and sound booth? We appreciate you guys so much. Give the guys back there a big hand. They're really very, very helpful. So I grew up on a farm, and I discovered something early on. When you put carrot seeds in the garden, carrots come up. <laughs> corn, corn came up. I also learned you never let the cows into the corn. <laughs> That's something I learned early too. <laughs> but I want to sow. I want us to sow into these guys' lives, this ministry, this weekend, for their needs this weekend, and for them, their students, and they have tuition and all kinds of expenses. So Tina and Kevin are going to hold the bas- those two of the offering baskets right over here, and. If you'd like to sow generously, then sow generously. You will reap generously. What they experience, that's what you're going to reap. I'm looking forward to sowing into them because I want to reap more of what they are living in and experiencing. So also, they're going to be up here, and it's going to be a, uh, and we're not going to say we're all going to do this. In fact, Pat, are you here, Pat Daly? Can to come up and play a keyboard? some music for this ministry. Some of you came um, hoping for a healing because of the healing anointing. You come and come through this little mini fire tunnel and at the moment they touch you, receive your healing. Some of you came wanting, you know, like, I wish I could have had a prophetic word. Just go through the fire tunnel. They're not going to prophesy over you for 20 minutes. There's, they'll give you a sentence. And if, if they don't, just say, hey, I'd like a one-sentence prophetic word. I'll bet God gives you one right there. You might need some kind of other miracle that you want them to pray for you for. This is not a time to tell them your life story or even to go into detail. Let's let the Spirit do the work so we can, you know, just have, have as many people blessed and touched as possible in this last time. There's a healing anointing, a prophetic anointing on them, apostolic center, revival center, globally appreciated and honored. They're bringing it here for us to partake of and be blessed by. Even just that, just being blessed and imparted to for that will give you increase and and the work here increase signs and wonders 
supernatural joy and laughter, hope, all the good things of the kingdom. Will you stand with me right now? And I recognize some of you need to go and there's others that have signed up for the uh, workshop afterwards. Don't forget to come to that if you signed up for that. And we'll collect your $5 at the door to help pay for the lunch. Um, but we put your hand on your heart. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us ins inspiration and encouragement. Thank you for letting us be part of the future of these ministries, of these four servants of Jesus. Thank you for blessing and encouraging us today in word and spirit. Thank you for the outpouring of your spirit upon us today. Thank you for blessing upon blessing for each of us in our families and even more to come today. We, we receive by faith all these good things and we love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us from home. Everybody have a good week. And uh, come on up and just come through out like a fire tunnel line for blessing. And don't forget, we'll have the baskets here if anybody would like to sow into the ministry of these ministers of the gospel. Amen.